You're listening to Red Leg Nation Radio, the official podcast of RedLegNation.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Red Leg Nation Radio. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. Got a, an old friend back with us. He's not been on the podcast in a while. One of my fellow editors at Red Leg Nation, Chris Garber. How you doing today, Chris? I'm doing pretty well, Chad, especially uh, considering the Reds are losing 9-1 to one right now as we're talking. Yeah, I was hoping we wouldn't mention that, but I guess you've, uh, you've blown that already. No, it's a, it's a rough night. I was hoping the Reds would take uh, three out of four here in this series against the Marlins, and they've, uh, I guess, Aaron Harang sort of let us down tonight. What's up with Harang, you think? Well, it's tough, man. He's, uh, you know, I've been a huge Orang fan for a long time and, uh, thought he's been unsupported and underrated and about every other kind of under you could imagine. But, uh, I don't know. He's just kind of, he's just really ineffective, although he had a good game against the Cubs. Uh, what bothers me is he just continues to refuse to pitch inside. And I know that, uh, Brantley and Marty were talking about that earlier tonight and I've been talking about it with a couple friends. All season and and even last year, he just will not throw inside. When he does, he's effective, but I don't know what it is about throwing the ball inside. He doesn't like to do it. Well, something's got to give because uh, he didn't look terrible in his first couple of uh, outings this year. Tonight, he's just he got rocked. But he didn't look great either, and uh, you know, it just the, the word that I've been using with some people I've been talking to is just it sort of makes me sad to see him like this because he has he's been uh, you know he's been the big guy uh, for for the Reds. He, when the Reds were pretty bad, when uh, the pitching was pretty bad, he uh, he was sort of the the rock, the anchor, and it's it's just it's sad to see him struggle. I don't know. It, maybe you're right. Uh, he refuses to pitch inside. Maybe that's the part of the answer. It looks to me at times like the he, the guy's still got stuff. I, I don't know enough about it to know. I don't either. I mean, he does. You know, he's he's not old enough that you write him off. He still throws as hard as he did. His ball moves as much as it did. I don't. You know, maybe it's control. I mean, he was always hit his spots really well when he was striking people out a lot, and uh, maybe it's that simple that he just isn't able to spot his his fastball, or, uh, his breaking ball as well as he could before. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. With uh, yeah, Harang, you just you hope he comes back. You hope he we get uh, something out of him uh, this year. Sad to think this might be his last go around with the Reds, and I'd, I'd hate to see it go out uh, go out poorly, but. You know, before today he had a four four point five ERA, which frankly I wouldn't have been surprised if he was somewhere in that neighborhood for the year. But uh, of course, that's obviously jumped up after tonight. Um, but the rest of the pitching staff, you know, um, when you look at the the other guys, Bronson Arroyo uh, finally had a bad start. It's been the first bad start really since last July. Um, not a, not a terrible. You know, he's got a three point eight six ERA now in his two games. He had a great uh, first start. So, um, which of those two guys? Are going to get traded, or either of them going to be traded? Is it, is it too early to tell? What, what, are you, what are your thoughts on that? It's something we've all talked about for weeks. Well, it's too soon to tell. I think. I mean, it's, a lot of it's going to depend on what what situation the Reds are in. If they're if they're sellers at the deadline, I think they get rid of whoever's pitching better uh, because they'll have some value. And if it's if they're buyers, I think they're going to try to dump or hide or do whatever they can with the guy who's not pitching well. So uh, I think it's going to depend on their situation. Yeah, you know, if the guy's not pitching well, then he's not going to have any trade value anyway. So it'd be a dump, a dump deal anyway. Right, be tough to get rid of Harang after a night like tonight. But yeah, I agree. You know, and, and a lot also, you know, it's dependent on whether they're in the race, etc. But uh, something that uh, we haven't mentioned, it's also dependent on how 
Araldis Chapman and Travis Wood are doing in AAA. You know, I, I wouldn't expect, uh, and we'll talk about Araldis' debut here in a moment, but uh, if they're both pitching well in uh, AAA, and there's going to be a sort of a clamoring to get those guys up here, I think, if uh, if Harang struggles. or you know, I expect Arroyo will be okay. Yeah, well, you know, Bronson's always been a, a hot and cold pitcher. He will he will have seven great starts in a row, and then he'll go out against the Blue Jays and give up ten earned runs in two innings, and he ends up with the ERA he ends up with. But, you know, you, you, you people always say that, oh, I'll throw out the bad outing, you know, but, but Bronson really is like that. He may have four, four or five starts a year that add up to 25 30% of his runs that he allows. So I, I don't worry about him when he gets his brains beat in because he usually comes back pretty pretty solid from it. I've never seen anybody like Arroyo with respect to that. He is uh, as hot and cold as anybody. When he's good, he's good. Uh, but when he's bad, he's bad sometimes. But you're right. Uh, but uh, when he's on, he's so much fun to watch, uh, that ball moving around. And, oh, throwing that big frisbee out there. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? That's yeah, great. And, you know, Mike Leake made his debut the other day, and I saw a little bit of that with Leake. You know, the ball was uh, moving all over the place. I don't know if you got a chance to see that game. Um, but uh, Yeah, I did. I, I caught it, and uh, I, I, he had the same. He does have, It's not quite as exaggerated as Bronson. No. He throws maybe a little bit harder. But, uh, yeah, it's fun to watch a guy whose ball moves like that. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's a different type of pitcher in, in a lot of ways, but uh, just in terms of the movement, it was sort of fun to watch. A pretty impressive debut for young Mike Leake, uh, wouldn't you say, uh, in, in most respects? Uh, yeah, I'll take it. Uh, you know, it's, it's the the one thing that is supposed to be his strength is his control and his <laughs> command, and he, when he walks seven guys. So, uh, you know, hopefully you get that. That would be the one thing I, I would hope would get straightened out pretty quickly, and he's, he'll be right on his way, I think. Yeah, you would think. I mean, I, if you'd have told me that he would uh, go six and two-thirds, you know, and only give up one run, uh, but he would walk seven, I wouldn't have believed it. Just... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's not the that's not the the pitching line you draw up for him. I don't think. Oh, and, and I'd be very. He may go the rest of his career. Uh, truthfully, that may be the story we're talking about in fifteen years. Is that uh, he give up? He walked seven in his first start and never again walked that many. So, yeah, didn't he? I, I think I thought I read some quote from him where he was he was making some kind of joke about trying to get the ball from the seventh walk or something like that. I, yeah, he seems like a grounded kid. He seems like everybody. You know, they talk about how he's just uh, things don't affect him. But I got to tell you, that first inning, uh, at least the first few batters when he loaded the bases. He looked nervous to me. I mean, he, he did. Yeah, he looked like a rookie. I mean, the thing I like about Leak is is, and this is what you see from a guy who can walk seven batters and only give up one run, is he knows how to compete and he gets himself into situations and he he knows you know he doesn't completely freak out and he knows how to get his way back out of them. And we've seen pitchers in, in the Reds in the past, and, and honestly, Aaron Harang looked like that tonight. They get themselves in a mess and and their brain kind of shuts down for a minute. They start firing the ball down the middle of the plate and things get real bad real quick. So I, uh, I I like to see that at a league. I thought he was a had a real nice competitive uh, you know I don't want to talk about competitive spirit, but he he competed real well on the field. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know he, that, that first inning he got uh, he loaded the bases with no outs. First professional inning ever. And, and you're right, you could just sort of he sort of you could see him bear down and uh, somehow escaped unscathed. Uh, and sort of the opposite uh, of that, you talk about some Reds pitchers in the past that uh, get their brains beat in situations like that. You know, Homer Bailey's had that uh, had that knock on him, I guess, in the past, and he, you know, he's not starting off too well this year either. What do you think about uh, young Mister Homer? Well, yeah, you, that Homer is who I had in mind when I was thinking of a young pitcher who, I thought who so, yeah. just kept spiraling downhill. Uh, you know, I haven't watched much either either one of Homer's starts. I just haven't caught him and. Uh, I, I'm I'm not real thrilled about the number of pitches he's thrown in the first first week of the season, um, but you know, and the results aren't great. But I honestly haven't seen either game enough to uh, 
to really say how he how he looks on the on the field. What do you think? Well, I've watched both his starts, and he's uh, he's not been terrible. Well, he's got an ERA of uh, almost seven, so I guess he has been terrible. But I don't know; it just didn't seem during those outings like uh, he was pitching that badly. But his uh, his command is not what it was at the end of last year. He's uh, he's walking a lot of guys. He's getting, you know the same old Homer from earlier uh, before last uh, you know the last few months of last year in terms of just uh, throwing too many pitches and going deep into counts with every hitter and it's just really frustrating to watch. You know, Dusty Baker let him throw 115 pitches in a, you know, a meaningless game in the second week of the season last year. And uh, you know, that's something that we're going to have to talk about uh, at Red Leg Nation some uh, because. Yeah, I've I've sort of defended Dusty a little bit on that. I, I haven't, for the most part, I haven't been too disturbed by his handling of some of the pitchers. Although in retrospect, maybe I've been too forgiving. But you know, what's going to happen if he's throwing Homer Bailey 115 pitches in the second week of the season? What's going to happen well, if we're in a in a, a pennant race in well, August? Yeah, I have no idea. I mean, what you really want to see? Go back and look at what Homer Bailey did, what Dusty let him do in August and September last year. Homer was throwing great. The Reds were winning games, and absolutely none of it mattered. And Dusty was just winding him up every night. That you know it was his turn every fifth day. Boom, Homer's out there, and Homer just kept going and going and going. You know, there's you know I'm I'm kind of of the school that every pitcher's arm's got a, a finite number of throws in it, and uh, you you use them up at your peril, and you use them up on a 15 game out of first place night in, in September. You're not going to have them, you know, whenever later on. So. You know, I, I'm with you. I'm not. I'm not really down on Dusty. I'm not the kind of guy who believes that 100 is a magic number. Uh, that you know, the guy has to come out of the game at 100 pitches, or the world's going to end. But you can kind of see if somebody's been laboring, and I think Homer was laboring last night from from the box score. Uh, you know, those last few pitches can have a little more strain on them than than, uh, than they might otherwise. And I know the bullpen was. T- I know the bullpen was tired. It was tired again tonight. But uh, you know. I remember watching Bruce Bochy when I lived in San Diego, and Bruce Bochy would he'd wear pitchers out, but you know he wore out he wore out the Mike Lincolns of his staff, right. and the Logan Andrusics of the staff. He wore out relief pitchers who were marginal guys anyway, and if they were getting outs, man, they were out there every single night. He didn't care, and you know they, the Padres general manager knew he had to keep bringing he bringing live arms in because Bochy was going to wear them out, and I I'd rather see a manager do that, frankly, with. With disposable relief pitchers than with 23-year-old number one draft pick starters. Yeah, yeah well, it seems like almost too obvious. Uh, he's, I just looked it up here. Homer's last nine starts last year, starting on August 23rd. 114 pitches, 115, 116, 117, 115, 117, 95, 108, 112 uh, pitches. Now, I, I'm like you, and, and I, I said this, uh, I wrote this as much the other day. I don't think 100 pitches is, you know, the be-all, end-all. Uh, someone was talking about uh, Mike Leake's uh, start, and I think he threw 106 pitches or something. And, but, you know, Leake wasn't, uh, like you said, he wasn't laboring. He was, uh, you know, those were not really high stress. At the end, he got tired, and Dusty got him out. But I didn't have that much of a problem with a guy like Mike Leake uh, throwing that many. There's no research to me that uh, says 100 pitches is the uh, the drop-dead number. Sounds good, I guess. But, uh, but yeah, Homer last night, uh, the last – I don't know, inning and a half, uh, Dusty could have gotten him out, you know, six, five or six outs earlier, and you could tell he just didn't want to go to that bullpen because the bullpen was tired, and I understand that. But, yeah, you know, Mike Lincoln, uh, they had him working out as a starter in uh, spring training and let him go three innings, you know, and if he if he blows up, yeah, he, Mike Lincoln. Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, we've all been beating Dusty up for leaving Lincoln in too long in the first week of the season uh, two or three times, and 
but I can see why he's doing it. He's doing it because he had him stretched out and Lincoln, you know, Lincoln and, and, uh, if Micah Owings is, is not in Micah Owings day, Lincoln's the guy who's going to get stretched. So, you know, I wish Lincoln was a little more effective sometimes, but that's probably the right role for him right now. Probably the only role for him, uh, in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. In, while we're on the rotation, might as well go ahead and mention Johnny Cueto. I don't quite know what to make of Johnny Cueto. You any thoughts about, the, about him? No, I feel the same way about Johnny as I did, I guess, all last season. It's just you don't know which Johnny Cueto you're going to see. We, we talk about good Bronson and bad Bronson, but Cueto is Cueto's like inning to inning, pitch to pitch, and he's another guy that kind of seems to lose focus. And Great stuff, no-hitter stuff, as they say, but I'm not super comfortable with him. He might be, of all the guys on of the rotation, the one I'd least likely see to start a big game, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And he's a guy, again, that I really enjoy watching pitch when he's on. He's fun to watch, and uh, but, I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. He's not looked, uh, again, he's not looked awful, but he's not looked particularly effective this year either. I'm, I'm lucky. I don't know what to make of him, and uh, on any given day, I don't know what to expect out of him. Uh, but you know what? He's 24 years old, and 24-year-old pitchers are, uh, you know, they're up and down sometimes. So, um, looking at looking down the the bullpen, not not really much to address the first couple weeks uh, of the well, season here. No, let me ask you a question. I was thinking about this earlier tonight because sure. I was watching I was watching the game, and and the game this Reds team it's better than last year's, but it's still. There's a lot of guys that are kind of boring on this team, I'll be honest with you. And maybe I was looking at Ramon Hernandez walk to the plate or something when I thought about this. But So, you know, we used to have a Reds team in the earlier part of the decade, or the last decade, I guess, where they could they could hit, they could smoke the ball, and they beat the ball like crazy. But they couldn't really play defense. They didn't have any starting pitching. The bullpen one year might be good, one year might be worse. So I've, if you could have a team that is terrible offense, terrible starting pitching, terrible bullpen, or terrible defense. Which one of those is the worst thing to watch? As you're, if you're a fan, I know what I think, but I want to. I wonder what you think about that. Well, to me, it'd be terrible offense. I, I get sick of watching these guys go up there with no no approach and uh, just struggle to eke out three runs a night. To me, I, I don't enjoy watching these nights where you know we put on the recap uh, TOS. You know this offense. <laughs> yeah, I can't handle that. Uh, What's your what are your thoughts? To, to me, the worst is the bad bullpen, and we had that that year when was it was it oh six or oh seven when I think it was oh six where they must have you know where they blew thirteen games in the eighth inning or something. I mean that just kills everybody, just sucks all, sucks all the life out of the season for the players and the team and everybody. So I thought I thought the offense no offense is worse, and then I remembered that season, and that's as bad as it gets. But after that, no offense is, yeah, is I, by far. I, I don't want to watch games three to one. I really don't. I mean, it's good to win, but oh, it's boring. You know, I, as as I think about, it, I believe I believe you're right because uh, you know uh, some of the well, the most two most frustrating guys I've had to deal with uh, is in my career as a Reds fan, so to speak. Uh, one of them is Danny Graves. I know who the other one is. No, you know, you can't guess. Come on, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, David Weathers. Uh, you know, yeah. um, and, you're right. Those are my probably two, my two least favorite or at least most frustrating. Yeah, you know, and and, I, and it's just because what you're saying, how many times, and, and Weathers ended up having a decent uh, Reds career, you know, and, and God bless him for it, but how many times did those guys in a game the Reds could have or should have won blow it? And that's just demoralizing for the players on the field, and as a fan, it's just, uh, you're right, that's the that's the most frustrating thing. I, I'll, I'll change my answer. I think you're right, and but I don't appreciate this. I don't appreciate you causing me to talk about Danny Graves and David <laughs> Weathers tonight. Uh, you know, I was still yeah, good. Yeah, I understand. I understand, yeah. I won't sleep well, tonight. 
Well, I mean, maybe, I mean, you know, maybe I try to see the other side of things. Maybe the, you know, how we feel about those guys and how frustrated and how ex- exasperated it gets. Maybe that's how some people feel when they watch Adam Dunn play or something. I don't know. I never, I couldn't, I never could understand those guys who, who just Adam Dunn striking out drove them up the wall. But maybe there's somebody who their thing is strikeouts. I mean, ours is blown saves, blown leads, and maybe theirs is strikeouts. I don't know. Well, there are certainly people who feel that way. Um, how would this uh, team look differently? And we talk about this, and there's going to be some people complaining when we talk about because we mentioned Adam Dunn. <laughs> yeah. There will be more people complaining about t- us talking about Adam Dunn, one of the best Reds of the last couple decades, than there will be us talking about uh, Danny Graves. But uh, how would this team look if we had Adam Dunn? Well, I say Adam Dunn in left field. I don't think he can play left field anymore. But what, what if we had him playing left field right now? How, how different would this team be? Would they be better or worse? I don't know the answer to that, actually. I think they'd be better. I think they'd be better. But, you know, I, I'm starting to believe the numbers that I've seen about how much Dunn's offense, I mean, Dunn's defense took, took back the, the runs his offense gave. But, but I, that, that, you know, not just to belabor Adam Dunn, but I was thinking about that tonight driving home. I was thinking, all right, the offense isn't good enough, but what can they do to improve it? Where are the areas you can improve, right? So you know that, you know that first base and second base and third base are, are set positions. Right field's a set position. Center field, they're not going to replace the center fielders they've got. Right. And, and there's not, you're not going to find a shortstop who hits better than Cabrera. I mean, there are some, but you're not going to get your hands on one. You don't think we can trade Cabrera for Hanley Ramirez? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe. That guy's good. And he looks like he's bigger than everybody else, too, which is a he weird does. thing for a shortstop. But, you know, I mean, I'm thinking left field. And then I start thinking, I mean, are, are the Reds the kind of team? Is this Reds organization the, the kind who, if they're, if they're close in, in June or July is going to go out and find a bat, you know, uh, maybe a left-handed bat to to play most days with Johnny Gomes popping in every now and then, or or just get a real all-star caliber left fielder. And I don't know who would be on the market in July, but uh, you know, are they the, are they prepared to do that kind of thing if they're close? And, and is that seems to me the most obvious place if you're trying to upgrade your offense, uh, certainly. But are they willing to? Agree, are they willing to do it? Are they willing to trade uh, a Yonder Alonso or something like you know one of their chips, um, uh, Travis Wood? I don't know someone uh, to get a guy like that. It's going to be an interesting. I, I tell you, I think they are. If they're willing to trade Edwin Encarnacion and Zach Stewart to get Scott Rowland and what's left of him, I think the, I think they do it. It's got to be somebody that Jockety likes and Jockety's comfortable with and Jockety you know has heard of before. But you, uh, you realize it's going to be Ray Lankford. <laughs> That's what I'm afraid of. How about, a Ed, how about an Edmonds, Gomes, Platoon, and Left? Right, there you good? go. Uh, not too good. Ray Lankford. Yeah. Bernard Gilkey, too. Oh, yeah, Bernard Gilkey. We might get him uh, coming off the bench. Excellent. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I know. When, when, that, that's the sort of things I started thinking when uh, he acquired Aaron Miles in the offseason. But I was pleasantly surprised they cut bait pretty quickly on Aaron Miles. At, yeah, at I I admire that, and maybe maybe you know that I, I try to like I said I try to give people the credit, and I think is that a matter of Jockety recognizing who his manager is and starting to learn some lessons. Like, look, Miles is a guy who might possibly conceivably use, be useful for some team, but if I put him in Dusty Baker's hands, it's just going to be a nightmare for everybody. Maybe. He's going to get three hundred at bats. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I, you know, I don't know. Of course, if, if if he were trying to tailor, oh, maybe, maybe that is what he tried to do with. Uh, maybe he thinks that uh, Cabrera is as good as. Hitting shortstop as he was able to going to be able to get, knowing that the shortstop has to bat second in Dusty Baker's lineup. Yeah, you know, that's right. That's right. Try to get somebody. Yeah. What's what's that obsession all about? I mean, it, I like, do not thing? know. It, it is an insane thing. I don't know how else I'd build this lineup though. If if you gave me those eight guys that they're going to play every day, I don't know what else I'd do with it. I've I got mean, 
I've got some ideas, but uh, I see. Where, I understand where you, what you're saying, but it's just the insistence that those the center fielder shorts them have to bat first and second, no matter uh, who the who he's. Yeah, no matter who it is, right? It's, if it's Jerry Harrison or, or or Drew Stubbs or Willie Tavares or Corey Patterson, right. it doesn't matter who it is. Yeah, Paul Yanish. Now, now Yanish didn't bat second last year when he was playing every day, did he? Uh, he did some. Um, he did uh, he certainly did some, but I can't. See if I can find that. Uh, it's hard to find Paul Yanish on baseball reference. <laughs> yeah, I understand. He's, he's <laughs> he doesn't have just, any statistics. <laughs> yeah, they don't. They don't. They don't keep track of him. No, uh, he's sort of the. We, that's our the running gag, of course, that he's the Bat Boy, and sometimes Dusty lets him get in the. Uh, <laughs> yeah, every now and then. Game. I don't know if it, I don't know if it'll show where he's batted in the lineup on his uh, game log here. Um, there's a way to get to that on there, but it, it yeah, you clicks through. But anyway, I, I remember him hitting some uh, second uh, when he was forced to play Yanish. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what to make of the, the whole Yanish Cabrera thing. I, you know, probably overall when you look at offense and defense in the end, there's not going to be a whole lot of difference between the guys. But I, I'll say this: I love watching Paul Yanish p- play shortstop. I mean, the guy can pick it. He really can pick it, and he reminds me a little bit of uh, Jack Wilson, who used to play for the Pirates. Uh, yeah. They have a similar a similar style and. And Wilson's a guy that that I didn't believe could play shortstop as well as he did. You know, you hear, oh, Jack Wilson, he's a great defensive shortstop. And people say that. And, I, you know, I didn't get a chance to watch him that much. And once I started watching him play, you know, fairly regularly, I think, man, yeah, he, he is really good. He is really, really good. And that's how I feel about Giannis. You know, you don't notice it the first time you watch him. But you watch him, you know, pretty regularly. And then you start to notice how good he really is. So I don't, I don't know. Orlando Cabrera to me is, he is Alex Gonzalez. You know, I mean, he hit, he hit that double, was it a double in the first inning tonight? Yeah. Off the wall. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I mean, he's, he's, he kind of swings at everything. He hits the ball in the air a lot and he hits the ball a long way when he makes contact with it more than you'd expect. But he doesn't hit for any average. He doesn't get on base any, you know, great shakes and he's got no range in the field. I mean, I don't, doesn't look like Gonzalez, but other than, other than that, their right. games are pretty similar. Extremely similar, which is discouraging and disheartening. But, I, you know, I, I sort of started to drink the Kool-Aid a little bit on Cabrera in the sense that, you know, I started to buy the argument that his uh, zone rating and, and his defensive numbers from last year, they were sort of so far below what he'd been before that that maybe, that you know, it was an aberration and maybe he's not that bad. Betting on a 35-year-old shortstop to do better defensively than he did previously is a pretty, uh, that's a loser's bet every time, but... So far this year, I've been astounded at his lack of range, at just, uh, well, it's the same thing we complained about with Gonzalez last year. He's a statue out there. How surprised have you been that he's been that bad? Uh, not super surprised. I mean, I try, I, 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 I'm willing to be talked out of almost any defensive metric, just probably like you are. I mean, I look at the numbers, and if I, they kind of match what, I, what I've seen, I'll believe them. And if somebody says that it's crazy, I kind of believe them. But uh, seeing with my eyes, man, he's lousy. He is just no range out there. And it's like when you see Yanish out playing every now and then, you think, wow, it's going to be a lot better. And, you know, I think Yanish has got some potential to hit better. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I don't he, – he's not likely to, but he's got some chance to hit better. Yeah, Cabrera's not likely at his age to improve at all. Yeah. And so uh, he is what he is and uh and he's declining and, and I'm afraid fairly rapidly defensively. Now, you know, we're basing this on the you know, ten games or something we've seen him, but Right, uh, right. But we'll get to see him for about hundred and sixty games this year because uh Giannis doesn't get the play, so 
All right, I just found the game logs and the lineups from last year. Yanish batted second 35 times. There you go. Lineup. There you go. Yeah. And he played, uh, he started 63 games. So over half the time that he was playing shortstop, he was batting second in the lineup. And, and with his uh, 601 OPS. Yeah. You know, and, and, and <laughs> that's dusty, man. Yeah, that's, dusty being dusty. That's dusty being dusty. That's right. Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I do buy into some of the the people that say, "Well, the lineup doesn't mean that much." But then again, most people that say that are saying, "You know, it means at most two or three wins a year." You know, is what I've heard. And, you know, that seems like a lot of wins, though, uh, to be just given away. You know, uh, well, it does. You know, I I wrote somewhere today uh, that the manager doesn't make much difference. I think talking about the the old dustyometer, and uh, I, I don't think honestly the manager doesn't make a huge amount of difference, especially with this in game stuff. But when you when you can tell me it's two or three games over the season, that's a big that's a big uh, contribution, and if you can make or break two or three games over the year as a manager, that's a lot. And and like you said, to throw it away for no good reason other than than custom or superstition or something. Yeah, but at some just, point it starts to matter. If it's just one game, you know, uh, why aren't why don't you try to maximize uh, the you know the potential of your team to, to be as successful as possible? I I don't get it. I just I hate having uh, guys in front of Joey Votto and uh, you know Brandon and. Uh, Scott Rowland, although I'd switch around the order some of the somewhat there, but uh, if I were making that lineup, I just don't like nobody being on base in front of those guys. I tell you what I do. You said you don't know what else you do with it. What I would personally do is I'd bat Scott Rowland second, and uh, you know drop Cabrera to eighth or something. I don't. And you figure out how you four, five, six. You can just figure out what you want to do on that. But I think I'd bat Rowland second. Uh, although he's hit with power so far this year, but he has his power has declined so much over the last few years. Uh, I don't know. It seems like a uh, might be a good two hole hitter. Yeah, you know the, the the doubles power he does still have is nice when you if you got a guy on first base. So I can see that. The, pro- you know, the problem with this team is they don't have a they don't have a four hitter or a five hitter. Right. And, and I guess they got a couple six hitters, but I've come around to even uh, Brandon Phillips batting fourth because I I don't know who else you put there really. I mean, you know, there's no one else that's a sort of a logical. I think you're just used to seeing it. It's one of those things you walked outside every day and the sky was red. Eventually you'd get used to it. And I think that's how it is. Brandon Phillips is a four hitter. It makes no sense whatsoever, but we've been looking at it for two and a half years now. Yeah. Why worry about it anymore? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you're going to do. Dusty work does seem, tend to wear you down sometimes. Uh, yeah. I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, sort of looking at the offense, uh, early on, you know, uh, Stubbs and, and Dickerson are playing about uh, equal time. Uh, Stubbs playing a little bit more, and uh, you know, I don't know. He's they're neither one doing great so far, but I think they are what they are. I think they're going to be. A, they'll be a fine combo out in center field. I don't have a problem with Stubbs and Dickerson. Uh, really, you know, left field. I, I love Johnny Gomes just because he's fun to. You know, he seems like a fun type of guy, and he's fun to watch. But um, he's nobody's idea of the answer in left field, uh, and he is what he is. So you're right. That's, that's the place to upgrade. The only way to upgrade anywhere else. You know, I mean. Who's a better catcher that we're going to go get? I mean, Hernandez is a yeah, really a exactly. backup catcher at this point. I think I think you're the best you can hope for for an upgrade is just to get Hannigan more playing time. And that's not much, right? You know, yeah. it's not much of an upgrade. Yeah, like I was saying, I don't know where you. And there's no internal options really that are better. I mean, sure, Brandon Phillips at shortstop, and you give Todd Frazier a shot at second or something like that, but that's not going to win you the pennant. And, no. you know, if, if, even if it does work out. Right. Yeah. So. I don't know. They're sort of in a strange situation where the offense is not going to be great, but they're really hamstrung into really only one uh, one place they can really significantly upgrade. And of course, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it'll focus Jockety into uh, 
you know, focusing on that problem. Let's get us a left fielder, a slugging left well, fielder. For the second. Yeah, and, and if you need to find, you know, if your need is hitter and your opening is left field, that's kind of the best combination you could have. I mean, you've got basically almost every option available to you other than Adam Dunn. Right. Without anybody else can hit left, play, play left field. So, you know, yeah. if, if, if you were, if you had a great outfield and you needed, still needed offense, then you'd be kind of hard pressed. Yeah, definitely. So it's, uh, I don't know. It's it's sort of going to be a, you know, this this season could go either way. I don't know. I I don't think they'll hit enough to be competitive in the long run. But you know, who knows? Uh, I, I, yeah, I don't either. I mean, I, I I have all the confidence in the world the Cubs are going to find a way to blow it. Yeah. I I don't like this Brewers team, which is remarkable because I really liked them about two years ago, and I think they've somehow gone backwards while yeah, they, having guys develop. They let their window of opportunity somehow uh, close. I don't know. That, yeah, that, this is my least favorite Brewers team of the last few years. So. They've been yeah, a, you know, an organization. I'd like to have Ryan Braun out in left field. Well, I'd like to have Ryan Brown. Yeah, Brown, he can play third base for all I care. It's true, yeah. Although they say he's not great defensively. I don't know. That's what his numbers weren't too good last year defensively, they say, but I don't care. Gosh, I, I don't care when he hits like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can hide a guy out there in left field. It's funny that we just talk about a team who's, who's I'm looking at their roster, and they don't. They're only. They only have one starter over the age of 28, and that's Greg Zahn, who's just kind of a fill-in. Right. Yeah. And who's who's put up a nice one for 22 on the season, by the way. But uh, and I think didn't he? He's grounded into four double plays, by the way. Nice. Good Sean, season so far. Sean Casey esque. He's got. He's one guy who's probably for 26 outs in his 24 plate appearances. Oh man, oh, he'll be leading off for us soon. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, they're still a young team. You know, yeah. it's just their pitching, their pitching window. I think you take, you know, the the Ben Sheets that used to be there out of that, yeah. out of that team, and they've got a not a very good rotation. And other than Giovanni Gallardo or Gallardo, it's a pretty old rotation. So yeah, and and that's a that's a tough place to try to upgrade on the fly. So yeah, yeah. But, uh, merge. What's merge with the Brewers? There you go. Yeah, if we did that. We could, you talk about a roster. We yeah, put together a good team. Uh, um, yeah, so I mean, you know, nobody else other than the Cardinals really sort of stands out, and the Cardinals aren't, you know, they don't, they're not, uh, you know, Yankees, uh, you know, uh, Phillies, they're not no. that good, but uh, in the Central they look that good, uh, just you know, in comparison to everybody else. So yeah, uh, this team could catch lightning in a bottle. Who knows? Uh, we keep hoping for another 1999 type, uh, you know, unexpected uh, run. But well, you know, I mean, the thing we haven't talked about is is guys like Jay Bruce hitting the ball and how how good Jay Bruce is going to hit. And frankly, how good Joey Votto is going to hit? Those, you know, those are the real questions. Those are the guys who, who do the heavy lifting for that offense, and 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 Brandon Phillips. And if they, you know, have breakout slash career year type seasons, then the offense looks a lot better. I mean, it's you know what I mean. I mean, a, a yeah. real year, a real year from Jay Bruce is beats any kind of upgrade you could do at at second base and th- shortstop and catcher and stuff like that. So that's a great point. Absolutely. Uh, before we get into your uh, dustyometer, let's, I, I want to just briefly touch on uh, Araldus Chapman had his uh, debut a couple days ago, and uh, down in the one well, wasn't in Louisville, it was in Toledo, but uh, for the Louisville Bats, and pretty good, uh, pretty good debut for the young guy, don't you think? Nine strikeouts. I'd take it. Yeah, yeah, I definitely take it. I mean, I heard the the, uh, the Toledo manager was quoted as saying that that Chapman probably would have walked seven or eight guys if he'd pitched in the bigs because guys would have laid off some of that, uh, some of the fastballs that were out of the zone. But, you know, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. You know what, frankly, at this point, I'm almost convinced on him, and as long as he stays healthy, I'm going to be happy. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and 
you know, maybe that's true what uh, what Toledo's manager said, but you know, what's the guy making his first start in AAA? He's 21 years old. You know, he's, he's not he's not a, a polished uh, final product, finished product yet. Um, but yeah, I, the more I talk, uh, hear pe- people talk about him, and you know, I listen to Chris Welsh talk to talk to talk about him a couple weeks ago, and just the, the fact that uh, he's the best left-handed pitching prospect he's ever seen. He said, and and, and basically, it all just comes down to. Can he stay healthy? If he stays healthy, everyone seems to agree that he's going to be a stud. So uh, we're going to see him in Cincinnati at some point this year. The question, I guess, is just when. But uh, there's no question he'll be uh, he'll be in Cincinnati, and we'll see how that we'll see how they open up a spot for him. You know? Yeah, I mean, would you think he's first on the list, or do you think he's still in a competition with Travis Wood? You know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think there's. I don't know if there's a competition between those two in the sense that if they think Chapman's ready, I think it's Chapman. Uh, in my opinion, if once they get past that, I think May fifteenth or whatever the date was, I think where they can extend him out to another year at a, sort of a fixed cost. Um, I think that it's entirely up to Chapman. I don't know that it's a, it, it's not dependent. I don't think on what Wood does. I think Wood could be great and it'd still go for Chapman because Chapman's going to put people in the seats. Yeah. So I don't know. I think it's going to depend on how ready he is, uh, how soon, and uh, I don't know. But you know, Travis Wood's a guy that could be pitching the majors this year could be the number five star and everybody could be happy with him right now so you've got uh, those two guys in triple a who are just sort of banging on the the ceiling you know ready to, to come up it's a good problem to have well then you get a guy like matt maloney who was probably our best pitching prospect or at least best closest pitching prospect a, a year ago right and now he's a forgot you know he's an afterthought yeah i mean i i think if they had the way things have been going if they had an opening in the rotation and wood and, and chapman wouldn't you know weren't set up to to fill it? I think they'd go with Mike Owings before they went with Matt Maloney. Yeah, I agree. I agree, and I still think Matt Maloney could be a serviceable number four type guy in the major leagues uh, ultimately. But, oh, I agree. Yeah, um, but you know, yeah, I, I agree. I think that uh, I don't know if it's the the presence of Brian Price, the new pitching coach, or what, but Owings has looked a little bit, or maybe it's just that Owings is healthy, but he's uh, not looked bad so far. And I agree. I think they would. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they reached some way to give him an opportunity to get a start at some point. Yeah, well, I, well, if he pitches like he did this week, I'm fine with that. Yeah, yeah, and there are going to be injuries. There'll be there'll be uh, chances. Um, anything else about the first week and a half of the season that uh, you want to want to touch on? Anything you're just dying to say? <laughs> no, no, I, I think we've covered a lot, and uh, yeah, nothing else I've really observed. I mean, other than you know Roland's remarkable lack of uh, of range. I did have a chance to go watch the uh, bats a couple nights ago here in Columbus against the uh, the Columbus Clippers, and uh, nothing spectacular happened other than Danny Dorn hit a ball almost out of the stadium, which which uh, it's the first time I'd seen him in person, and he's he's not a big guy at all. He's kind of a lean lean looking uh, outfielder, but man, he he just hit one into outer space. So yeah, that was kind of nice to see. I've heard I've heard people say that you know he could come up right now and take Lance Nix's job and stuff like that. Hey, from at least a couple swings I saw, I could I could believe it. Yeah, you look at his numbers and the, the you know the MLEs on his minor league numbers. I mean he you know he can he can hit from one side of the plate uh, anyway. And uh, yeah, I, I think he's a guy that could have a good four or five year career. You know, as a fourth outfielder, a platoon outfielder. You know, uh, and and really hit the ball well. Uh, I don't understand why he doesn't get uh, much respect from anyone. I mean, he wasn't selected in the Rule Five draft. No one seems to. No one seems to care about him, but he, all he does is he just keeps hitting. So I was, in, I was interesting to see your uh, what you said about him hitting that uh, home run. I've only gotten to see him play once or twice, and he didn't do anything particularly well those times. But 
Yeah, the other the other thing I noticed that night was uh, Juan Francisco. I mean, he looked really good at third base. He looked he looked really? quick. He looked quick. He had good range. He made a, a nice throw to the plate once. He made a uh, you know he moved to his right, moved to his left, moved came in on a ball. I mean, he looked really good. He looked you know when I saw him in uh, spring training when I saw him in the games when he was with the Reds. I mean, he looked kind of like a cross between Dimitri Young and William Opeña. Yeah. But uh, no, he looked like a real athlete when I saw him in person the other night. So I was kind of impressed by that. Something I hadn't seen before. Well, that's interesting. I saw him play three or four times last year uh, for when he was with uh, Carolina and Double A, and uh, you know I saw him throwing balls away and uh, you know let one get by him at third base. He shouldn't. Didn't look great. Didn't look as bad, you know, on the whole as what he'd been painted to be. But he didn't look particularly good either. He made a couple of really rough plays. But that's it. It was interesting to see that you'd uh, say he looked all right. Uh, if he could have any kind of, uh, you know, uh, just a just not kill you on defense, you know, he's a guy that could, you know, who knows? Yeah, he's still going to have to learn to walk thirty times a year, though. Yeah, I still, I still contend. I think he's just uh, William Opinia, you know, round two. Uh, yeah, William Opinia two or electric boogaloo. That's what I'm going to start. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's great. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't know if we'll ever see much out of him. Um, all right, well, you want to? Uh, we'll sort of roll into. Your dustyometer. I'll let you go ahead. And why don't you tell people that uh, haven't followed that uh, at Relegation exactly what the concept is and what we're trying to accomplish? And uh, you know, I know they're, it, it, you know, it's subjective, but I think it's I think it's a fun little uh, fun little thing. I, why don't you go ahead and introduce that to us? Sure. Well, you know, we, we sit around and we, during the game threads and everything, people are talking or when you're with sitting around with your friends and you see so you, you second guess Dusty and you think he makes a lot of stupid moves. I mean, everyone complains about him. I just wanted to kind of keep track. Uh, it's it's purely subjective. There's no rhyme or reason really to what I'm doing. I'm just giving points out for for moves, positive points and negative points. Um, you know, Miguel Cairo is your first pinch hitter off the bench, minus a quarter a point. Uh, you leave Daniel Herrera in to face a right-handed hitter in, in the right situation, plus a quarter of a point. So the, you know, the points aren't tied to any kind of scale. It's not uh, meant to represent runs or anything like that, but it's just I'm trying to be I'm trying to be as objective as I can and can in a subjective system, and we're trying to just kind of keep track. Is Dusty making more good moves than bad, more important good moves than important bad moves? And where's he going to net out? And you know you see some interesting things. You you see moves where he makes all the right moves and the Reds lose. You see moves where he does everything he can to screw it up and they win by three runs. So it's it's been fun so far. Um, it, you know, it, it I think it it keeps us all paying attention a little bit closer and being a little more. Maybe honest with ourselves about the criticisms, I think. Yeah, and I think it's been fun too, and I think it's the rest of us sort of learn, uh, get more comfortable with, uh, you know, your, your your point system, things like that. Uh, a lot of us are going to sort of hop in and uh, make some of those suggestions. I think it's a really interesting idea, and just to give us another, you know, I don't know, maybe it's a a wider scope view of uh, of what he's doing on the season. Is he, you know, and and, and frankly. And I'll let you say what his score is at this point in the year uh, through game nine. But I've felt you've been pretty fair to Dusty, uh, frankly, maybe maybe uh, to a fault uh, about some things. Well, yeah, I've been trying to bend over backwards. I really feel like I have. I mean, he hasn't gotten docked any points for Miguel Cabrera, uh, Orlando Cabrera batting second, or you know. So go ahead. I, no, I, I was going to say. Tell I me agree. where you think I'm being too nice. <laughs> no, I, I, not necessarily too nice, but I. I it's not where you're just trying to find a place to hammer Dusty again, is what I'm trying to say. You know, it's not like every game you're trying to pick nitpick little things where we can hammer Dusty. I think you're, you know, being, trying to be fair with him. You know, uh, you gave him a, 
you know, point and a half for uh, holding Arroyo back for the day game, you know. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I took that was one where I was having some fun with it. I mean, I thought, right. what in the world is he doing? Taking, I took a point off for starting Arroyo in a day game because he gets hammered in day games, and that's the only time I've actually kind of been results oriented. I try to make these things, yeah. try to make a call on it when it happens, and not say, well, it worked, so give him points. I mean, that's that's easy. But uh, you know, when Arroyo came out and just looked amazing that afternoon, I thought he must have known something. And then you know, later on in the week, we did learn that he did know something, and what he was trying to do was spread out Harang and Arroyo, keep the rookies separated. And the right. young pitcher separated so that he didn't kill his bullpen, which is actually a really smart thing to do. I agree, and but you know, through nine games, you've got him in the negative. Uh, through nine games, Dusty's at minus three and a quarter. I'll we give you. I'll give you a preview. He's probably going to get a plus plus point five tonight, even though they got beat. I, don't, I turned the game off, but they were losing nine to one because I don't think he screwed anything up tonight. I think it's actually pretty easy for a manager when you're getting blown out. You just sit yeah. back, relax. You stop pulling levers and pushing buttons. Yeah, don't do anything. Um, yeah, and, and the negative three point two five, and then whatever it ends up tonight, you know, uh, there's no there's no meaning to that number. There's no way to you know compare that to any other manager. But it's just a, a fun way to look at uh, what he's done. And I encourage everybody to come uh, join in and, and suggest uh, the points because I think it's gonna be fun to you know as we get to the uh, end of the season a little bit uh, to sort of follow that and see where it goes because. Yeah. You know, it's so hard to judge what what a manager does and whether he's actually doing a good job or not because there's so much of what a manager does that we don't see. And we, I know you and I are actually more than maybe most tend to give Dusty quite a bit of credit for uh, the things he does in the clubhouse that we don't see that you know uh, he's got a good reputation about. And you know, you got to give him benefit of the doubt on that stuff. But uh, yeah, and you don't you know you don't hear any nonsense out of that clubhouse, which you did in, in some of the prior managers. You don't hear guys complaining. You. You don't hear guys even being unhappy and, you know, being good soldiers about it. I mean, they all seem like they're pretty, pretty on this, you know, they're all on the same page and they're working you know, towards it. And, and Dusty does, you, you know, I try to give him point, you know, I try to give him points when he's, you can see him making moves that are either him evaluating guys in situations or him giving guys opportunities that they may not have been quite ready for. And, you know, I don't want to penalize him for those kind of things all the time. So, I mean, he did that in the first, the first week with, uh, with uh, Logan Andrasek, if I'm saying his name right, I mean he, right. you know, he put him in in a in a low leverage situation. And he he did all right, and then he he came in the next day in a in a he put him in a little bit of too too much of a high pressure situation. He got his his brains beat in, and then he was able to get him a couple innings later in the week. So it's just kind of you know I think we're paying a little closer attention to that kind of stuff. And like you said, I'm really looking forward to when when everyone kind of starts chiming in and and we can debate whether a certain move is a, is a Plus a quarter point, or plus a half a point, or, or you know, take yeah. away twenty points for Homer's one hundred thirtieth pitch, or whatever it's going to be. Oh gosh, oh, I'm really going to cry myself to sleep tonight. Um, well, Chris, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. We're going to try to do this more regularly. We're going to sort of spread it around uh, uh, all the editors, and uh, uh, it's it's been real fun to have you on here. I hope you'll come back with us uh, soon. Anytime, Chad. Thanks. Appreciate you, buddy. Um, and thanks to all you guys for uh, downloading the podcast. You know, you don't have to waste your time listening to us ramble and listening to my ridiculous uh, southern accent and try to you know, figure out what I'm saying uh, all the time. We appreciate you taking the time to download and listen to us uh, each week. The number of subscribers grows every single week, and, and, and we'd certainly appreciate that. Uh, come on over to redlegnation.com. Click on the RN Radio tab up at the top of uh, the, the blog. You can subscribe via iTunes to the, to the podcast. And, you know, we're all about the social media, so go to uh, Twitter.com slash RedLegNation and Facebook.com slash RedLegNation and uh, 
you know, follow us and become a fan of uh, Red Leg Nation. Uh, we've got a really great little community that's uh, that's growing by leaps and bounds here the last few months, and it's just, it's, it's been a lot of fun. And uh, that's thanks to all of you guys out there in Red Leg Nation. Well, until next time, for Chris Garber, this is Chad Dotson saying so long. <laughs> <laughs>